Tonight's Bible reading comes from chap uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 11. If you like to open up your Bibles or um, turn on your phones, if not, the words are on the screen. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practice and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much for that. Awesome. Can I burden you guys just to flick it up the back for me too, please, just so I can see what slide I've got up, because there's a good chance I'm going to get it messed up somewhere along the way. So that would really help. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Ryan, too, for getting this gear up here. Brilliant. So, guys, we're going to continue in this series on Colossians. And, and last week, um, Pastor Darrell, I was actually going to wear a suit tonight, uh, just because, you know, he said that people bringing the word should wear suits and um, unfortunately it was too hot so I decided not to do that but uh, we, we, we learned this whole heap of things last week and it was about continuing in Christ it was about you know we started with Christ and now we should continue in him and we also had a bit of teaching about uh, those who speak falsities and they capture us with their philosophy and their empty deceit and things like that and there's also those who we had opportunity to understand the freedom that we now have in Christ and what that means in being free from man-made laws as well. And we discussed that quite a bit last week. And then we had those false teachers who judge us as referee and condemn us because we are going with Christ. We are going with supremacy of Christ. And they're saying, well, that's fine, but you also have to have this. So we learn about those people who teach the gospel and and how wrong that actually was. So we're back to the supremacy of Christ and the fact that he is everything we ever ever possibly need we don't need anything more if we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior there's nothing else that we need to gain so today as we move on we're going to see that Paul lays out how we know we can be secured in Christ and then he's going to talk about what our lives are like right now as we give our life to Christ what our life should look like then he's going to talk about our old self that life that we're supposed to have put to death. And then he's going to talk, to about, uh, talk about us corporately, how we should be living as a people. So you excited about that? That's good. I've got three people excited, so let's get into it. Three's enough to do it. Before we do that, we're going to pray, okay? Let's just pray. Father God, thank you so much for your presence in this place tonight. Thank you for the young people who led us in worship through song, Lord. And we thank you that Holy Spirit moves amongst us. And we certainly ask for Holy Spirit to be present now, Lord. We ask that you will open our hearts and minds to hear your voice, to understand your word. And Lord, my desire is that you will just reveal the truth of what is contained in this passage from Colossians tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. So the first point tonight, guys, that I'd like to look at is that we have a new self. And I believe that's laid out quite clearly in the passage that we look at, but we'll recap on, on what was said. So Colossians 3, 1 to 4 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things of the earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. And this opening statement is very reflective on what Paul said back in Colossians 2.20. If with Christ you died. So in Colossians 2.20 he said, if with Christ you, try, you died. And the emphasis is on the drastic split from our former selves, which should be reflected in our lives. And here where Paul is talking about being raised to new life, he's emphasizing the new status of believers, which should be reflected in that new way of life. We were once outside of God's kingdom, and we depended totally upon ourselves, our abilities, our talents, our ever-changing emotions and feelings. But now we have this new life in Christ. A life that is not centered on who I am, but on who Jesus is. It is no longer about what I can do, but it's about what he has done. And my focus has shifted from the things that are worldly, earthly, me, to the things that are heavenly, eternal, Jesus. And if we truly call Jesus our Lord and Savior, then my life, how I live it, should be a declaration that I have shifted my dependence from myself to now being fully dependent upon Jesus. And we are told to seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And when we are told to seek the things that are above, it is clarified as being where Christ is. And he's seated at the right hand of God there. Our declaration in Jesus as Lord and Saviour is also a declaration of a change in citizenship. Do we understand that? I am no longer subject to my body, my thoughts, my desires, and my pursuits to this world. But I am subject to the one that I now call Lord. He is seated at the right hand of God. And so my mind should be ever more increasingly focused upon he who is seated in that position of authority. We should realize that the heavenly realm is centered on who Jesus is. And because of that, I know that when he is my Lord, I can be assured of the security of my salvation. I can have no doubt and I have nothing more left to fear. More than that, Jesus is not a servant of heaven. He chose to serve, but he is not a servant of heaven. It is he who rules over all. It is he who holds everything together. It is he who brought the world into being. It is he who called me home. He is the supreme being. And heaven revolves around Jesus. And so if I make that declaration as a Christian that Jesus is my Lord, and every Christian is making that declaration, then we need to realize he's not a token ruler. He's not some 
God that we've conjured up in our minds. He is Lord of all. And his expectation is that we will come under his lordship. We will allow him to rule our lives. We'll allow him to direct us. So every thought, every aim, every desire of our lives, all our values, our hopes, our ambitions, our efforts, everything. It is literally all of me for all of him. There's nothing else. The second point is about our old self. Okay, I relent. Thank you. And we just have the next slide too, thanks. So this is what it says in Colossians 3, 5 to 9. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your tongue. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And it's interesting when we start talking about the old self, isn't it? We see these sins that have been listed here. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, every desire, covetousness, evil desire, sorry, and covetousness and things like that. And we look at those things and some of us can sit back and say, well, you know what? That is not me. I haven't committed any of those sins today. That's me. I haven't. And the thing is, we're establishing that this is an exhaustive list from Paul. And that's not the case at all. When we think about what Paul actually says here, he says to put to death all that is earthly in you, everything. And I've done you a bit of a favor. I decided to look up what earthly meant. There we go. I've got it working in. Praise God. Okay, so this is the definition of earthly. And this is out of the Merriam-Webster dictionary, so I've been a very good boy there. So when we think about earthly, it is a characteristic of or belonging to this earth, relating to the human race's actual life on this earth. So when we think about that as earthly, when we're talking about what Paul is saying here, because I believe this is a reasonable definition, everything or anything that is belonging to this earth, we need to put to death. Paul has said back in Colossians 2.13, the people are dead in sin. And here in Colossians 3.5, he says we are dead to sin. And the thing is, we have to be one or the other. We can't be both. We are either dead in sin, living lives that are opposed to the Lord Jesus Christ, or we are dead to sin, which means we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But the thing is, as Christians, we're a work in progress, aren't we? It would be so awesome if when we gave our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he'd just pluck us out of this and take us to glory and we could be with him in that place where there will be no more sin, no more heartache, no more pain, no more tears, no more sin. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? No temptation, no thinking things that we know we shouldn't be thinking, no desire to pursue things that we know that oppose God. Man, I want to be there. But we're here. This is where we live. And it's not how it works, hey? We, we, we have to be stuck here. And Paul calls us to put to death that which is our earthly nature. And we once walked in these sins, but the call is to put them away. 
The old law was about restricting our habits and what we did. It was confining our habits to try and stop us to live in a manner that protected us from sin. But it didn't deal with the problem's roots, did it? The battle of the mind and the desire to do those things that are counter to God. And unlike the Israelites who had a whole heap of rules that they were called to obey and then atoned for through sacrificing tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of lambs when they broke those laws, our sacrificial lamb is Jesus. He died once and for all. And acknowledge him as Lord, the call for us is to put to death our old selves. We have Holy Spirit indwelling us and he is able to encourage, strengthen, guide and instruct us in the way that we should go. And the way that Holy Spirit guides us is God's way. It's a call to, be, to totally eradicate that which does not bring honour to God. Romans 6.14 says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. And as I said before, or hinted at, we are caught in the now and the not yet. We are citizens of that city of God, which is going to be an incredible place to be. And yet we are still in this world. Do you realize that eternal life has started for those of you who've given Jesus Christ your life? Do you realize that started the day that you made that commitment? Your life in eternity is secure. And yet we have to walk through this earth and deal with the sin that so easily seems to drag us back into our old ways. When we look at Romans chapter 7, the whole passage here is about us being released from the law. And this is Paul talking as well. And, and when we think about Paul writing this letter to the Colossians, we can understand when we go back to Romans that he really knows what he's talking about. Because listen to what he says here. Uh, we're looking at um, 15. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do, sorry, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Who's totally confused by that passage of scripture? Yeah. It's a tongue twister. Try and read it real fast. But the thing is, Paul is saying he knows what he should be doing. He knows how he should be bringing honor and glory and praise to God. He knows his life should reflect his life with the Lord Jesus Christ. But for some reason, he keeps getting pulled back to do those things which he knows he should no longer be doing. And it's this tension and this struggle which we know about. But we're told, sin will no longer have dominion over me. And if we're honest, which some of us don't seem to want to be, that tug and power of sin is still present in our lives. And there's some very real temptations that draw us away from doing what we know we should be doing. And it often seems that it has such a great power that it hinders us from doing good. And we seem to act out that which is evil. And many of us are willing to testify that sin's got this incredible way of enticing us entrapping us, ensnaring us, and it takes us captive. But Romans 6.14, it's not some flippant Christian cliche that I've conjured up 
This is a promise from God. And when we think about the sins that we commit, God says, if you are my son or daughter, sin will have no dominion over you. Who stands on that? Who believes that? Amen, brother. I've got two hands over here and it's all the young people. That's awesome. But this is a promise that we need to stand on. We need to believe this is true because it is God's word. And the thing is, if God said it, it is trustworthy and true. This is a promise that we can stand upon. And the incredible thing is, the only thing we are called to do is to put to death our old selves. What does that look like? I mean, you know, go out, get a shovel, dig a hole, bury yourself. It's an interesting phrase to use, isn't it? I often call Christians Doug and Doug Less. The Doug Less guys, they're the guys without the shovel who aren't going around digging up their old self. The ones with the shovel, they continually dig up their old selves. But let's think about the Lord's Prayer. Okay, when we, when we do the Lord's Prayer, I know I've covered this with you before. We pray this, we say, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And when we say hallowed be your name, we're saying, Lord, your name, I'm going to hold it in such high regard. I'm going to have it in a position that there is no other name. When I say your name, I'm going to say your name like I don't say any other name because, Lord, you are holy. I'm going to revere your name. I am going to revere you. You are just so incredible, Lord, that I want to bring honor and glory to you, even in the way that I say your name. And we're really saying, Lord, your name is safe on my lips. I will never bring it into disrepute. I will never bring dishonor to your name. But you know, the interesting thing for us as Christians is that it's not just about saying God's name. Because you see, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. 2 Corinthians 6, 18 tells us that. And it says, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And we know from other passages of Scripture that we have the same rights and privileges as heirs to the kingdom. We are going to stand with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are going to be just like him. And that blows my mind too. I just cannot believe that God would just pour such privilege out upon me. But that is what his word says. And we fail to recognize that any time we operate so outside of the Father's will, we bring shame to his name. We are his adopted sons and daughters. And we should be living with him as the focus of our lives. And our focus should be upon the heavenly things. But the reality is we live with the life that we're supposed to have put to death. And the thing is, uh, I mean, seriously, guys, I'm no better than you. Everything I tell you tonight... God's already laid upon my heart. You know, I'm like Pastor Darrell. I'm this incredibly holy, Christian, righteous man until I get into my car. And, and you know, you just... I, Pastor Darrell thinks he attracts all the bad drivers. I don't think so. I, I, I seem to be a bit of a magnet for him too. But people really frustrate me. It's like, get out of my way, you moron. What are you cutting me off for? Are you trying to kill someone? In Jesus' name. It doesn't really work, does it? 
And if I say that I'm following Christ, if I say that I'm living for Him, seriously, everything I do, I should be able to sign it off in Jesus' name because my life is supposed to be a living example for those around me. I am called to be an ambassador for Christ on this earth. I am the big game plan. He wants me to reach the others in this world for Him. And if I'm messing up and people look at me and say, He's a hypocrite and they're right... Where does that leave that plan? Think about what Paul says here. He says, put aside anger, put aside wrath, put aside malice, put aside slander, put aside obscene talk. Do not lie to one another. When we think about anger, it's that outburst, isn't it? It's that me screaming at the guy in front of me in the car. That's the type of thing that we think about with anger. But what about those subtle expressions of anger, which I'm sure Paul's also referring to here? What about, you know, when you're walking into the church even and you see someone that you don't exactly want to talk to and you just do that subtle turn and slip off the other way? And it's because you're harboring anger or bitterness towards that person. But what do you think Paul would say to that? What do you think Jesus would say to that? What about the way we think about people sometimes? What about the condescending way we speak about them to our friends? What about the sarcasm that comes into our conversations when there's someone there that we don't particularly get along with? When we think about Paul challenging us, I'm not going to go through all of these points, but when we think about Paul challenging us about obscene talk, so many of us straight away go to those who use the F-bomb all the time, and it's like, well, yep, that's pretty obscene. So many of us think about the fact that those who use the Lord's name in vain, that's pretty obscene to us, isn't it? But as Christians, surely the bar is set much higher when God speaks to us about obscene talk. Surely it's not just about what is true, what is false, what is good, what is crude. Surely, it's about anything we say that doesn't help or uplift someone else. Surely, our standards need to be much higher. All we do should be with a view to help others. What about greed? Greed's one of those things, you know, when people see me eat, they possibly think I'm a greedy pig. And... Um, they can say that until they see my daughter Rebecca eat ribs at Southern Attitude and then they'll think I'm a saint. But uh, am I wrong? No. Yeah, see. But we think about, we think about these people who, who are greedy when it comes to food. We think about people who are ruthless when it comes to acquiring businesses and property and money and things like that. So when we think about greed, it's about those who pursue wealth. It's about those who want power. It's about those who have copious amounts or extravagant food. That's what we think about. And the thing that we're not willing to admit is that um, greed is often more than that. Greed becomes that which causes someone to believe that things, including other people, are there for my gain. Amusement for my use, my purposes. 
And again, we're all sitting here saying, you know what, that's not me. Have you ever been in a situation where you or someone you knew has been less than honest about an idea that helped a company move forward or helped a situation move forward, where a few people were on board that established that idea but you claimed it as your own? And it sort of happened that way. You didn't plan it that way. Even projects. You come up with this brilliant idea, but there were a few other people involved, and because you're getting the acknowledgement, well, it's just easier than trying to sort it out. Have you ever accepted praise or acknowledgement for something that you knew you didn't deserve praise or acknowledgement for? That's greed. That's desiring something that's not yours. And so many of us live in a manner like that, in doing whatever it takes to gain an advantage over others. And it's not the Christian way. It's not the way that we should live. And there's another thing we do which is incredibly damaging as well, and this could be the most damaging thing in the Christian walk, both to our lives and to the eternal destiny of those around us. And I'm willing to give an example of this here tonight. And Pastor Darrell's here, so I'm sure he's going to step in if this is too shocking or too confronting to the young people here tonight. So I'm just going to give you the example and we're going to go with that. Okay? I mean, how bad is that? Are you shocked? Stunned silence. I can understand. This is the most damaging thing in the Christian's life today. It's the habit of doing nothing. This is God's book. Amongst other things, it tells us how to live. It tells us how to love. It tells us to love our enemies. It tells us to take his word and to tell others about it. We are called to love our neighbours. We are called to love our enemies. We are called to be salt and light in the world. And that salt is just the little taste. It's not pouring the whole container on a steak. It's just that little taste to draw people. We are ambassadors to a lost world. That's what Jesus has called us to be. And we have the message that could save them. And we do nothing. We do nothing. All of these actions or inactions break down community, breaks down trust, and it undermines who we are as a people of God. And you know what? It brings the most incredible shame upon God and his name.
And it is sin. We need to repent and confess of it. And you know what? The passage that we had up, sin will have no dominion over us. It no longer rules over our lives. It doesn't need to. And we are to put to death our old self whenever it rears its ugly head every moment of every day if we need to. The last point, guys, this evening is that we are a new people. There is hope. Colossians 3, 10 to 11 says, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. We come to this transitional point in the passage where we move from individual vices that render the image of God just indiscernible in our lives. And we come to this. New self. A self which is joined with Christ and His image. And in this renewal, we only appear different. We not only appear different, sorry, but we act differently. The new life that we have creates new behavior. And there's so many part truths that get twisted in our faith. And this is possibly one of them that gets muddied a little. Paul tells us here that we have put on a new self. This new life or new self is not one that we have as a result of successfully battling temptation. We need to realize that. It really is a starting point for the life that we have chosen when we've given our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is this transformation that occurs. Understand the terms that we're using. We are a new creation. A new creation. The old has passed away. It is no more. It has never been about giving up stuff in order to draw closer to God. It's agreeing to exchange what I once was for what God calls me to be. As a new creation, my life is now about continually putting to death or subduing the desires of my old life. My new self is a gift from God. I can do nothing. It's not as a result of my power or will in subduing evil, but as a result of all that Jesus has done. But as a result of Jesus' full work, fulfilled work on the cross, there's an expectation that I'll work out my own salvation. that God has worked in our lives. And that working out is about taking on more and more of the nature of Christ, growing in our knowledge of Him and the love that He has for us. For as it says, we will be renewed in knowledge after the image of our Creator. Our renewal comes from being in Christ. And once in Christ, the former divisions that may have been present are stripped away. Where Paul speaks here of there not being Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, he is really saying that the new humanity in Christ has erased all barriers. He's speaking about race, religion, culture, and social barriers. And he calls us to put those to death along with our old selves. And this new humanity is commanded here to put away the us and them mentality. Jesus came to shatter such notions. 
When we come to Jesus, the primary and only concern we should have for other human beings is to see them brought into the kingdom of God, to come into a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we ever bring in definitions or create any situations where it is us and them, we're opposing God. It's black and white. It's a sin. Don't do it. And when we think about opposing God, I personally don't want to be in that place. So guys, let's reflect. There's been quite a bit to go through and trust me, there was so much more I could have said. Praise God I didn't. I know you'll be asleep. But there's an expectation that when we come to faith, our lives will be transformed. That is the basic expectation. Our lives are now hidden in Christ and our former selves have been put to death. The result is a completely changed lifestyle where the old nature hasn't been changed, renewed or overhauled. It has been put to death and there is a new creation in its place. The old has been destroyed, buried and buried deep. And this new life, is a gift from God, sealed with Holy Spirit. Some of us may not have made that step at this stage in giving our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you want to know more, come and talk to me or Pastor Darrell or any other Christian about you. We would love to talk to you about how to get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who have made a commitment, we failed you as a church. The church as a whole has been so focused on making converts that we haven't told you there's so much more that God wants for you. And I want to apologize on behalf of all church leaders. We need to disciple you. We need to mentor you. We need to grow you in the faith. And we haven't been real good at that. Church this size, we need to raise people up who can disciple and mentor others. Pray that we can do that. Pray that we can guide people in the way that they should go. And guys, you need to know you're no longer a slave to sin. Sin has no dominion over you. That's a promise you can claim. That's a promise you can stand upon. And I tell you, it's a promise you have to stand upon because things are going to come at you. And if you don't believe that you can stand against that, you're going to be in trouble. And guys, sin doesn't have to have a dominion over you. If you do have sin that does have dominion over you, again, we would love to pray for you. Not to persecute you, not to judge you, but to encourage you in the faith, to uphold you and strengthen you in what we know to be true from God's Word. Some of us are aware of what we should do, but we've chosen not to do it. I'm one of them at times. And our call, the call of Christ, is to repent to turn away from doing nothing and declare that we're going to do something. And I know, I know how hard that's going to be. But I want to challenge you that together we can do it. We can spur each other on. We can encourage each other. We can strengthen each other in the faith. You know, wouldn't it be awesome if, let's say in a month's time, because we, every one of us here, made this decision that we are no longer going to do nothing and we decided that we're going to encourage each other over supper after the service. Wouldn't it be incredible if in about a month's time every seat that's empty at the moment is full because we spoke to people about our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and the difference that he makes in our lives and they said, you know what, I want to know more about him. And you said, sweet, come along to church. It'd be great if it was that easy, but trust me, guys, it can happen. And I want to be one of the ones that encourages you. There are some of us 
who have been ensnared in the various types of sins that have been mentioned. There's some of us who really do live that us and them mentality even within the church. If that's you, the call again is to repent. You need to deal with it. You need to get right with Christ. It's not about me. It's about Jesus and your relationship. Some of you also know about the anger we've spoken about, the greed and the obscene talk that we touched on. We need to believe that Holy Spirit is present in this place. We need to believe that this is not a call from Charlie. You've seen it from God's word. This is a call from God. It's his instruction, his guidance, his teaching. So tonight, if you decide to pray, if you decide to bow before the Lord and ask for his forgiveness, you're no longer opposing him. You'll be found within his will and that's where we need to be he wants all of us and it has to be all of us or he isn't our Lord at all I'm going to pray we'll ask the worship team to come back up they're going to close with a song and guys can I encourage you if you need prayer trust me I won't buy it I'd love to talk with you. Even if you don't want prayer, you just want to talk, please come forward. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your presence with us tonight. I thank you that Holy Spirit has been here instructing us. And Lord, our desire, my desire tonight is that you'll help us to seek those things that are above. You'll help us to acknowledge that Jesus is at your right hand and that he sits in power, Lord, and that our lives are caught up in him. He is the focal point of heaven. And we want to have our eyes and our focus upon the heavenly things. We want to put aside those things on this earth which hold us back. So Lord, will you give us the strength and wisdom to do so? Will you help us to put to death our old selves? Will you give us the wisdom to know what is of you and the security in knowing that Jesus is enough? Will you give us the grace to live at peace with all people, Lord, and give us the strength to break down the barriers that we have so foolishly formed between us and you and between us and others? Barriers, Lord, divide and break down rather than build up. And we want to be a people who build your kingdom, Lord. We want to be a people who draw people closer to you with every encounter we have with them. Our prayer is simply, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.